Good morning. Happy New Year to you. Welcome to White Plains Baptist Church. My name is Gary, and I joyfully serve as senior pastor here. If you're new to us this morning, I want to say a special welcome to you. Thank you for being our guest this morning. You are an answer to prayer. I've been praying for you and your family this week. As a guest, I hope that you find our church to be a warm and welcoming group of people. Kids, it's always good seeing you here at church. Did you have a good Christmas? Are you wearing some Christmas stuff probably? I am. Are you going to be spending, staying up tonight to see the new year coming in? Kids, are you, is midnight easy for y'all? It is difficult for me. I'm going to try this year though. I'm going to try. So I'll have to have some coffee about six o'clock to get me through it. But kids, today it's the fifth Sunday of the month, so we're not going to be having kids church this morning. Uh, we like to give our kids' church leaders a break every now and again, and, uh, and I really like having you guys in here, so it's always fun having you with us. This morning, I'm going to be using a big word when I talk with the adults, reputation. Have you, have you heard of that word before? Reputation is basically a label that people put on you, and sometimes our reputation is made by us being known for doing something over and over again, maybe like sports. Maybe you have a reputation of being a a good soccer player or a good baseball player. Maybe you have a reputation of being good at gymnastics. Maybe you have a label that people call you kind because you have a history of being kind to people. So this morning when I give the adults a note to take in their notes, I'll try to explain that to you kids as well. And also, if you want to keep track, I realize I'm using a name an awful lot this morning. The name, if you want to be paying attention for, and even marking, seeing how many times I say it, is Gaius. If you have uh, a sheet of paper there with you, and you can keep note of how many times I say the word Gaius, but try to pay attention this morning. I think as kids, this is an important message for us, for you guys as well. Uh, Parents and grandparents, if your kids get squirmy, if they get noisy, that's okay. I value having kids in our services from time to time. However, if they do become too much of a distraction for you, we do have tables uh, and chairs out in the lobby with extra kids' bulletins if you would like to make use of that as well. So as we approach the new year, as we have said a few times already this morning, it's normal to look back, to think about this past year. And hopefully that last song spoke to you about maybe some things that you are sorry for. Many of the resolutions that we make looking forward are meant to help us to become stronger, better, healthier, or maybe even more Uh, spiritual and closer to God. Personally, I have a belief that books change lives. And uh, I have developed a pretty good habit of of reading this, rather listening to books this past year. And so this next year, I want to read 100 books. That's um, two a week. Doesn't sound too bad for someone who likes to, to read or listen to books. But more than just read, I'd like to publish and write four books. That's that's one a quarter. Uh, but what about you? What type of resolutions are you thinking about this, this, this morning as we approach the new year? Don't use mine as your goals. Uh, we're probably wired differently, but what are you wanting to do differently in 2024 that, that will help you become better, stronger, healthier, or even closer to God? Now, if your resolutions are really important to you, I would challenge you to tell somebody. Just like I told you what mine were, I would encourage you to tell somebody what you're wanting or hoping to do differently. It it just takes the resolution process to another level. As much as we want to better ourselves, 
we often will do something when someone else is expecting it from us. We don't want to let them down. So this morning, on the eve of the new year, I want to point our attention to an often overlooked letter of the New Testament. We're going to be in 3 John this morning. This is not the gospel. This is one of the letters. There's three of them. And we're going to look at the last one, 3 John. If you haven't read a whole book this year, you're going to sneak one in before the end of the year. We're going to read the whole book. It's only 15 verses. It'll take about a minute. But you'll be able to say that you've read a book at least this year. Um, Let's look at 3 John. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth as indeed you were walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You would do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church. Adopt. Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who wants to put them out of the church. Love, I do not, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Let's pray and responsible we just read. God, thank you for this word to us this morning. Thank you for this letter to Gaius from John. Lord, I pray that as we look closer into this, this letter, that you would help us to see the truth that is within as we think about the next year in front of us, help us to remember what's here in Third John. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. John is writing, I'm sorry, yeah, John is writing a personal note to Gaius. He, he opens the letter with a kind greeting, wishing that all is going well with him. John hopes that Gaius is as physically healthy as he is spiritually healthy. And he is spiritually healthy as you read through 3 John. The ancient Near East, during, this time, during the time of the early church, 
was a lot like Scottsville. Did you know that? The early church is a lot like small town Kentucky. I have heard of an item in a gift shop here in town that says something about, says something like this, something about living in a small town. If you don't know your business, everyone else knows your business. Does that sound like Scottsville? Does that sound like small town Kentucky? We all have a reputation. In small town Kentucky, our, reput- our reputations or our labels will stick to us. They go before us in a way that strangers will know something about us before they ever meet us. There are people in town, even in my neighborhood, that I've not met yet. But because of their labels, because of their reputations, I feel like I know them well, and I've never spoken a word to them yet. All sized towns are really like this, but it seems to be magnified in a small town. It was like this in the early church. There wasn't social media, there was no one blogging, TikToks, shorts, and reels weren't a thing. There weren't telephones, there was not email. But people's reputations, they still spread. Labels about people would work their way around churches too, not just the local church, but the regional church as well. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that this is all bad. Sure, gossiping is sinful and we shouldn't be a part of it. When we gossip about another person, we're basically confessing their sins to someone else without them knowing about it. That's what gossip is. In the church, we should be careful when we share prayer requests as to not confess others' sin in that request for prayer. It can be tricky. It can be difficult. It can be hard at times. And, and we will fail. Sometimes we will, we will cross that line and turn our prayer request into gossip. When that happens, there's grace and forgiveness that we should offer But there's other ways to gauge if something is gossip. Does it tear down the one being talked about? Gossip will usually tear down the one being talked about. Or is it something that builds them up? Something else that gossip will do is it will tear down others. It will will cause disunity and hurt. It will tear down others. So if gossip is bad, how is putting labels on people not all bad? How can we discuss people's reputations without gossiping? We can warn others in general terms. We can practice general discernment without being specific. And if someone has sinned against you, first seek reconciliation and restoration with them privately by confessing sin to one another. If there is an unwillingness to hear and to reconcile, then Matthew 18, 15 through 20 gives the church really good step-by-step process on how to deal with people when people in the church sin against each other in the church. Oftentimes, though, gossip or our reputations are good. And gossip doesn't fall into that category. It's, it's usually about the bad stuff. The labels we put on each other are godly labels. They're good labels, good reputations can go before us as well. Your reputation matters. What people say about you and think about you matters. What label is going on before you? Our church 
reputation matters as well. What do people say about our church? So John is writing to Gaius about Gaius's reputation to encourage him, to keep it up. Third John continues the thoughts of Second John. Second John's another short little letter. If you want to get two books in tomorrow and get the year off started with two books, you can read Second and Third John, and you'll have two down. Let's look at how John encourages Gaius in verses 5 through 8. Beloved, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. John tells Gaius that strangers are talking about him. But they're talking about him in a good way. They're talking about the love that he has for the people in the regional and local churches. It's a good label. These strangers who are talking about him have benefited from him and are gladly sharing the truth about Gaius. In the ancient Near East, during the early church, Christians would go from town to town to share the hope of Jesus and to strengthen the early church. We might call these people missionaries or church planters today. But these people, they would arrive in town, find the local church, and start their work. They would rely on the goodness of the people in the church to care for them. Paul did this kind of thing. You look at Acts, his three missionary journeys, this is all he's doing, is going into a town, finding the church, and depending on the goodness of the Christians in the church. These missionaries would depend on God, meeting their needs, by bringing Christian strangers into their paths. And this is what Gaius is doing. He shows up. Some Christian missionaries are in town, and Gaius welcomes them. He encourages them. He meets their needs. He loves them, and he sends them on their way, usually better than he found them. In your notes, Gaius has the reputation of showing hospitality. Kids, this means that Gaius makes people feel welcome. Let's say that there's a new kid at school. Gaius would probably invite the new kid to play with him on the, at the recess and make sure that he knew where the library was and how to find where the buses are going to be and stuff new kids need to know. John has heard about Gaius because word travels. He gets this reputation. His label is, Gaius is the guy you want to get to know when you go to his town because he's going to take care of you. Adults, many of you have this type of reputation. I know that my family has benefited from your hospitality more than we could ever repay. Thank you. John encourages Gaius to keep this kind of activity up. John would encourage the church, not just our church, but all churches, to continue showing hospitality to each other. Let's continue in verses 9 through 10. I have written something to the church. The diop, di, it's going to be a difficult one. I have practiced and listened to this name over and over again. And let's just call him Dino. I don't know. Did that work? <laughs> I've never been lost as much as I am right now in front of you trying to pronounce a word. Usually I'll just mispronounce them and not even care. But 
but I'm going to say it a lot later, so I don't know. <laughs> I have written something to the church, but Dino, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want, who want to and puts them out of the church. He's much different than Gaius, isn't he? They're part of the same local church. They probably know each other. They're probably friends. The early churches that John, Paul, and Peter are writing to, they're not large churches necessarily, and so these two must have known each other. John knows him from his reputation well, and word spreads, and I think that I would rather spend time with Gaius than Dino, wouldn't you? In your notes, Dino has the reputation of being self-centered. This means that he would kids. He, this means he would probably jump in front of others in the lunch line. He would only shoot the basketball at Jim and not really pass the ball ever. He puts himself first, and when you add the next thing that John says about him, that he doesn't acknowledge John's authority, you get the idea that this guy thinks he's in charge in the church. John had written a previous letter to the church where Gaius is. And Dino wouldn't read it or allow it to be read. Perhaps he was a leader of the church. We don't know anything about him outside of these two verses of Scripture. If he was a leader, he wasn't a good one. If he was a self-appointed leader, that makes a little bit of sense because we see that he's very self-centered. We have two verses in the whole Bible about this guy, and we get at least three labels, three reputations of him. The first one is he's self-centered. The second one is he has a reputation of slandering others. Kids, this means that he talks bad about people. He talks badly about people. He probably makes stuff up and he spreads rumors. John says that he has a reputation of talking, talking wicked nonsense against John and the other apostles. Adults, perhaps you've been slandered against. Probably have. As adults, we get slandered. People talk about us. They make things up. And maybe when you hear what was said about you by someone else, it sounds like wicked nonsense, doesn't it? Christians, we should be careful of how we speak of others, especially those who disagree with us. And even if they're non-believers, if we get the label of talking wicked nonsense about others, then no one is going to listen to us when we try to speak about the truth of God. For example, pastors, preachers, and Christians who are more interested in preaching moralism by attacking others lose their voice for the gospel. We don't define the gospel through the lens of our morals. We define our morals through the lens of the gospel. Dino has a label of slandering others. His third label is this. He has the reputation of not showing hospitality. Kids, this is the opposite of Gaius. Dino is kind of like a really big bully, isn't he? 
If Gaius is kind of a friend, Dino is a bully. Hospitality is a theme of this letter of 3 John. John has given us two polar opposites between Gaius and Dino. I don't know how Dino can be anti-hospitality, but somehow the Bible says he is. He stops people from showing hospitality. How do you stop someone from being kind and welcoming to Christian missionaries? But somehow he does it. He has the label of being anti-hospitable. He must be a leader in the church because he kicks people out of the church for showing hospitality. Do you see this battleground happening between these two folks? Gaius being good at hospitality and Dino being anti-hospitality. It's centered around this idea of welcoming strangers for the sake of the gospel. In this case, specifically, they're welcoming traveling preachers to build up the church and support the ministry of the church. Dino must have had some power in the church. Gaius was probably a wealthy church member who was able to do hospitality well. This battle is centered around hospitality, but at root, it's about a battle of power. And it's just really one-sided because Gaius isn't fighting this battle. He's just following the Bible. He's just doing what the apostles have been encouraging the early church to do. The battle is between power and power, the self-appointed, self-centered, slanderous power of Dino and the power of pastoral leadership of the apostles like John. We're going to look more at John's pastoral leadership in just a moment, but first let's see who's stuck in the middle. There's another character, another man in this story that is stuck in the middle. Look at verses 11 and 12. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony. And you know that our testimony is true. So this third man in the battle, there's a stranger coming. Another Christian preacher, his name is Demetrius. Demetrius has a good reputation. Notice how John says that whoever does good is from God. And then right next says that Demetrius has a good reputation. John is saying Demetrius is from God. And he wants Gaius to treat him that way. He gives Demetrius a good and truthful label. John recommends that Gaius welcomes Demetrius. Kids, Demetrius is going to be like the new kid at school. And John is telling guys to welcome him. Demetrius is on the way. John knows that trouble's coming because that's the same church that Dino goes to. Paul is telling guys to welcome him. John says, don't do evil. That's a good New Year's resolution, isn't it? Don't do evil. It's difficult. Don't imitate evil. Even if evil has all the power, and the best way to get power pretty quick is through evil means. You don't have to watch 
too much of the news to figure out. That's the way politicians generally in the, in the national scope will get power. They'll do evil things. Even if evil has all the power, or if evil gets all the likes and follows, if evil gets all the attention, still don't do evil. Do good. Why? Because good is from God. Whoever does good is from God. Those who do evil have not seen God. If you've been around church for any amount of time, you've probably seen evil in the church. You've probably seen people or heard people talk about church hurt. You've probably seen church issues and also even in the leadership of the church. I've had multiple church leader friends fight battles against other church leader friends, including pastors who were behaving a lot like Dino. Good versus evil. And it's sad. It's a bad testimony for them. It's a bad testimony of the churches. But the battle is real. And people like Demetrius get caught up in the middle. John is on the outside using his power. He's using his influence to fight the battle. And in this battle we see everyone's reputation going in front of them, going before them. Their labels put them on different sides of good versus evil. Let's look at this fourth person, John, in verses 13 through 14, the one who wrote this letter. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. John is, a, is an apostle. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He wrote Revelation, the Revelation of John. He is a gifted writer. Much of the ministry that he has to the early church is in written form. We see his heart in his writing. If you read through the Gospel of John, if you read through the letters of John and read Revelation, you see this writer's heart. We see a pastor's heart in John when we look at 3 John. In your notes, we see a pastor's heart. Kids, John wrote this letter and he cares about Gaius and Demetrius. He wants to make sure they become friends. Adults, we see his pastor's heart here, don't we? John cares about the church. Now, he's not writing to the church. He's writing a personal letter, but it is, it is about the church. It is about the battle that's happening in that church. He's, he's picking sides because he cares about the church. He cares about the battle that's happening, and he cares about Gaius and Demetrius. Listen to verse 4 again. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. As your pastor, I have no greater joy than to see you walking in the truth. I absolutely love seeing you all stick around after church is over, encouraging each other and building each other up. I love seeing you guys like and comment and encourage each other on social media. I love talking about the Bible with you. I love hearing how the Bible is impacting your work life and your social life. I love seeing you walk in the truth. There is no greater joy for a pastor than this. Thank you for being a joy to serve. 
John's heart is to be with Gaius and the church. Even though he's a gifted writer, he wants to speak to them face to face. He wants to be with them. He wants to go beyond the written word. So how do we live in the next year in light of 3 John? Most Christians have never read it because it is small. If I took a poll this morning of who's read 3 John before, there'd be many of you that didn't realize there was a 3 John. This is an often ignored because it's small. People don't think it matters. It's too little. Let's not worry about it. But as you've been introduced to it this morning, as we've read through it this morning, I hope you see that it's an important letter, especially to the local church and the regional churches, even in this year, next year. Now, I don't think there's a battle for hospitality. It's like there's one going on here in Third John, but, but there's always battles happening in every church. There's always battles happening in the regional churches of a community, of a city or a county. Don't let indifference or don't let indifference set in. Use the Bible to help discern the good versus the bad in the battles. But also realize that the battles are primarily spiritual. Paul says this in Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. If you find yourself taking sides in a battle in the church or the community, church community in the city or a county, realize that we've we are not fighting against each other. The battle is being started and kindled in the spiritual world. That's what Paul is telling us in Ephesians. We are often influenced by the spiritual forces and we don't even realize it. This is why it's important for us to know our Bible, to read our Bible, and to rest in its gospel message. Paul gives us one way to fight battles according to the Bible. To the Bible in Ephesians 4:32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Be kind. In the coming year, be kind. Be kinder or more kind. I don't know which one. Be, be whichever one's correct. Be kind. Continue being kind. Be kind to each other in the church. Be tender-hearted. Be easily moved by love and compassion for one another. Be tender-hearted. When people wrong you in the church, not if they wrong you, but when they wrong you, forgive them. Let's start the new year forgiving each other. Let's make a resolution to be quick to forgive. Why? Because you've been forgiven for far greater sins that can ever be committed against you. Do you realize that? I'll be honest. This isn't the first thing that comes to mind when I feel like I'm being sinned against. 
God has forgiven you. He has forgiven me for much greater sins that you and I commit against him than that could ever be committed against us. Let's be quick to forgive. I'll invite the worship team to come back. Your reputation matters. Your label that goes before you matters. What is your reputation? Are you pleased with it? Does it accurately label you the way you want to be labeled in light of the gospel, in light of the forgiveness that has been given to you? What can you do about it? First, I would say confess any truthfulness to God about a bad label you have. Sometimes our reputation, sometimes our labels are completely made up, completely false. But other times, we have contributed to their truthfulness somewhat. Confess whatever may need to be confessed. Second, are there people that you have gossiped about, that you have confessed their sins to others? Have you gossiped about them in a way to tear them down? Confess that to them. Start the new year off with a blank slate. Lastly, through all of this, trust God. This is hard stuff. This is difficult to do for sure. Trust God to work through it. Trust God to restore broken things. God is a forgiving God. If your sin has been against him, trust that God will and has forgiven you as you put your trust in him and follow Jesus. Trust God that he can restore broken relationships in this new year. Whether those relationships are with him or with others, God is at work. Will you stand and do closing prayer? God, we thank you for Third John. We thank you for what we can read and understand about what is happening in this church. Lord, help us to be aware of our reputation, our labels that go before us. Help us to be known for good things, for doing good things, because good is from you, and you are good. Lord, thank you for fixing broken things, and we trust you this year, coming, the coming year. Would you be at work fixing broken things, broken relationships? Would you be at work? And for some of us, our broken relationship is with you. Lord, restore that. Fix that. It can only be fixed through Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.